You want to talk about success? Well, if you're talking about politics, uh, one of the individuals that uh, you'd look to is Ken Martin. Now, Ken was recently elected to his seventh term as Minnesota DFL chairman. Now, I'm not talking about being elected to your seventh term. Uh, that's not what I'm getting at, uh, it, although that is that tells you they, they want you, right? What I'm talking about is the result of elections. What happens? In Minnesota, the DFL, which is still primarily a, a very rural state in many of these areas, the DFL is one of the few states where the Democrats took over full control of the legislature, where you're looking up and down the statewide ballot and the Democrats were voted in. Well, the individual that works on that, that did that, along with his team, is Ken Martin. Ken, good to have you back on News and Views. Thanks so much for having me, Joel. I really appreciate the chance to talk, and uh, obviously we're really excited about what's happening in Minnesota. Well, you invest in it. You do. I know the DFL announced the launch of the big Wellstone Academy. Uh, You know, Paul Wellstone was an individual I had the privilege of talking to and speaking with many times and was a friend to our family. And and I have to tell you, this this is training at its best. Uh, Tell people what this is all about. Well, look, uh, you know, uh, as many folks know, I I came up uh, under Wellstone's tutelage. I worked for him. He was my mentor and friend as as he was to so many uh, Minnesotans and, frankly, folks around the country. But, you know, one of the things he steeped us in is an understanding of uh, well, grassroots organizing. And the way to win, as we call it now, is the Wellstone way through uh, face-to-face conversations, uh, building relationships with voters, door-to-door, neighbor-to-neighbor, really giving sense, uh, giving people a sense of their agency in politics and, and mobilizing and organizing voters. And that's really, when you think about the Minnesota DFL, that's what we've been doing the last 12 years of my time as chair. I, I mean, the vast majority of our resource that we've spent is really in the field, uh, organizing people and, and having personal conversations with voters about their hopes and dreams for the future. And so, you know, last year as we were, um, you know, honoring the 20th uh, anniversary of Paul's uh, and Sheila's uh, untimely death, um, you know, I talked to Dave Wellstone, uh, their son, about what is a way that we can honor uh, his dad? And, and, and he said, look, you really want to honor dad, uh, you know, then train the next generation of organizers. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're investing about a half a million dollars in a program to uh, really train the next generation of uh, political organizers, grassroots organizers. And really excited about this program. It, it not only will help our party and our candidates, but more importantly, it, as I said, it will honor Paul's legacy and train that next generation. So how does it work? Is is this a, a place that, that candidates would physically go to, that district chairs would physically go to, or is this online? Is I mean, how does how does this work, Ken? Yeah, so what it is, is it's a 25 to 30 person cohort uh, of folks from around the state uh, who will be paid a stipend uh, over $1,000 a month to essentially attend uh, almost like a, a you know a university for for nine months we're going to train them uh, both in person and online uh, people will be able to really you know most of our trainings as you know are uh, usually a week or maybe a, a weekend or maybe a night and you don't really get to get that deep uh, this is going to be trainings every week for uh, nine months straight by the time these uh, uh, this cohort of Wellstone fellows comes out of this training they're going to be some of the most experienced political operatives in the state and ready to take any job as we had in the critical 24 election cycle. So are these are these scholarships, are these determined at the local district level? Or, you know, this is an investment that you're making into an individual. How is it determined who gets to be that person? 
Well, anyone can apply from any part of the state, from any background. Uh, the only requirement, frankly, is that you have a passion for making a difference in your community. Uh, you don't have to have previous political experience or campaign experience. But the hope is that uh, this is a, a path that you want to take. So we're going to train you uh, extensively over nine months. But when you come out of that, uh, you're going to be guaranteed a, a, a spot on one of the campaigns, whether it's Amy Klobuchar's campaign or uh, Joe Biden's campaign here in Minnesota or our House candidate campaign. Uh, the idea is that we're going to, you know, uh, place you, we're going to train you and place you on a, a key and critical race in 24. I was sitting, and Ken Martin is our guest, uh, recently elected to his seventh uh, term as Minnesota DFL chairman. I was thinking of, of of this academy had it been there when when I was young, at 32 and running for my state Senate seat. It, you know, there were things that I knew or had passionate about, and they were all primarily policy. You know, I, I had all these ideas. We're going to change the world, that we could do this, we could do that. Some of it was realistic and we got done. Uh, some of it was just to, to get people talking. But there were certain things I didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with media uh, the, the way that a candidate might have to deal with media. I didn't know how to, you know, deal with that door you knock on and somebody really confronts you in a, in a negative way. I mean, what, what are you going to teach them at this academy? Well, you know, every, all the, the various uh, machinery and mechanics of, of, of organizing and, and, and campaign uh, work, which is quite extensive. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And, you know, there's obviously a part of politics is the art side of it and the other Art is the science part, and so many candidates, of course, as you mentioned, have the art side of it. They know why they're running. They have a sense of, of why they want to serve in public office. But many first-time candidates and, frankly, first-time organizers don't understand the science behind it, and there is a science behind it. Uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of pieces that go into actually running and winning uh, successful campaigns, and that's really what we're going to teach folks, everything, all, all the nuts and bolts from A to Z of the campaign. How to build relational organizing programs, how to uh, fundraise, how to put on successful events, how to recruit volunteers, you know, how to you know maintain and manage volunteers and build out your uh, operation. Everything you know from digital media and social media, all those pieces that have come into place since you and I started in politics. There's so many new tools in the toolbox, and and that's what we're going to teach people and train them on, and really do it in a much more extensive way overnight. Where are you going to get the money, Ken? Well, we're going to raise the money, which, uh, you know, thankfully here in Minnesota, we haven't had a challenge uh, doing that over the years. But, you know, a lot of our partners uh, are really excited about this. Uh, many of our labor partners and others are going to be investing in this. Uh, as I mentioned, it's about a half million dollar program in total. Uh, and really, it's an investment in the future. It's an investment in uh, well-trained operatives, like I said, who are going to be the next generation of hopefully candidates and elected officials and campaign managers in the state of Minnesota. You know, you found a way, and I was talking about that as I brought you in, you found a way to connect in a state that has a huge rural population. Before we were joined by a statewide audience, uh, Rob Kupek was in here, and, and Rob was one of those votes that you needed to maintain in the Senate to to get the majority, and, and as a brand-new legislator, he won. He won yep. in a district that a lot of people didn't think that he was, you know, that the Democrats were going to be able to hold. What is separating your organization from other states? Why Why have you been able to not just hang on to majorities but grow them? Well, first off, you have to 
be willing to compete everywhere, and you have to understand that you have to contest races up and down the ballot in all parts of the state. And when you start writing off certain parts of the state, it's it's just uh, you know it's 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 you know going to happen. Uh, you lose. Uh, you have to be present in the community. You have to be competing for their votes. Uh, that's first and foremost. Second, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, you know, it starts with candidates. And as as much success as we've had in the DFL over the last 12 years, we haven't lost a statewide race. Uh, you know, we've had two trifectas over the last 32 years, both of them during my time as chair. I'm very grateful for that. But the reality is, is it starts with candidates. And you have to find candidates like Senator Kupek who fit the district, right, who people know and trust. And and, uh, and and that matters as well. And, you know, you can't run, uh, you know, for example, an Ilhan Omar in uh, the 7th Congressional District any more than you could have run a Colin Peterson in in uh, the 5th Congressional District in Minneapolis. You know, you have to recognize that part of the pursuit of uh, politics, particularly for political parties, is to build power around um, shared values and to then elect people who share those values to office, meaning that w- the only way we can build power is uh, to understand that uh, every district is unique, every district has a different electoral culture, and every district has, in, in some cases, different values that you have to reflect in the candidates that are running, and, and certainly Senator Kupek did that. I was just in Moorhead last weekend. That's where I was elected to my seventh term, and the reason we put that meeting there is to celebrate the fact that uh, Clay County and and Moorhead uh, was was the majority makers, not just uh, Senator Kupek, but of course Representative Keeler holding that seat. Uh, those are critical seats, and of course those are in Greater Minnesota. We won a number of seats in Greater Minnesota this year, four legislative seats, and in, in total flipped from red to blue, and we held the seats we needed to to keep the majority in Greater Minnesota. Point being is, you got to be willing to invest, you got to find the right candidates, and you got to put effort into um, actually competing for the votes. It's easier said than done, of course, but uh, you're certainly never going to win if you don't try. Ken Martin, chairman of the Minnesota DFL. Ken, what you just when when you were talking there, I thought of Herschel Walker, and I thought of Doctor Oz because what you were saying is the right candidate. You got to recruit quality candidates, and I, you know, to me, that is so vitally important. And but sometimes it doesn't work. And when you mentioned the seventh congressional district, I don't mean to go back when really what you're always doing is looking to the future. But the seventh congressional district could not have been represented better than what it was by Colin Peterson. And yes, he still got voted out. And so when you look at the national scale uh, and you look at these rural uh, states here in the middle of this country, I mean, if I could put you in charge of every state in the middle of this country, I would, if I had that type of power to talk you into it. But what are we doing wrong? I mean, it- well, look, yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, first, every state is unique. And, and I, I do want to say this. Kylie Overson, who you, who you know well, uh, former chair of the North Dakota uh, Democratic Party, is actually the chair of the Democratic National Party's Rural Council. And she, she has brought together a lot of thought leaders to try to uh, put some effort into thinking this through. Of course, your sister has as well, uh, leading efforts around how we reconnect with rural voters. It's it's a critical issue and one that's, uh, you know, for us, it's not it's not emergent. It's been happening for years where we've seen uh, really blue parts of our states uh, starting to um, turn purple and then turn red. 
seventh district in in Minnesota was no different. Uh, and you know, some of it is is population loss. I, you know, I think about uh, Traverse County in uh, Minnesota, for instance. Uh, county seat is Wheaton, uh, once very vibrant and robust county, has now fewer than five thousand people. And right, right. So when you start to see the population loss, um, that certainly contributes to the the loss of DFL vote share or Democratic vote share. But one of the things that I want to say, and I think we've talked about this before, Joel. There's a great book uh, from Dr. Catherine Kramer, a University of Wisconsin professor. She she studied the Trump voter after 2016, and particularly rural Trump voters in Wisconsin. And the the name of the book is A Politics of Resentment, and it's a really fascinating read because these are the same voters who for years have been voting for the DFL in Minnesota, but for whatever reason, a whole host of reasons, some of it cultural, some of it economic, some of it a mixture of both, have have decided to vote Republican in recent years, right? What happened? Where was that change? And I, when you read that book, you start to realize they're feeling abandoned. They're feeling left behind. They don't see the Democratic Party or the DFL Party here in Minnesota uh, standing up and talking about the issues they care they care about. Uh, and most importantly, they never hear us talk about rural communities or small towns or or farms or you know family farmers like my father-in-law. Right? They don't hear us talking about that. And in a way, they're feeling abandoned, forgotten. And and they need a champion. And just to bring this full circle back to a Paul Wellstone, the reason Paul could organize farmers in southern Minnesota and go up to the Iron Range and organize miners, come into the inner city and, and organize immigrants and do well with all those groups is because he, he understood that there was more that unites them than divides these disparate groups. And that's the key here. We have to be the champion for everyone. Again, easier said than done, but we need to talk about those issues that are impacting rural communities. And people need to know that we're not forgetting them. Ken, can you hang with me? I, I, I've got just a couple more questions and quite frankly i love talking to you so i'm going to make you sit on hold for a bit i know i don't get to visit much longer with uh, ken before i run out of time here but ken martin uh uh, elected to his seventh term as chairman of the Minnesota DFL. Ken, you were talking about getting out there and in, in rural areas feeling a little bit left behind. I have a little different theory on why some things have, have changed in the in the middle of this country. And I think that some of this goes to the success of the Democratic Party. And let me explain my theory, and then you can counter that, because I don't think you're going to agree with it. But we, we took care of some things. You know, we, we made sure there was a Medicare, Medicaid. We made sure there was Social Security. We made sure that there was federal crop insurance. We made sure that in a bad year of, of raising crops, you know, there's there's a subsidy that can come with it. And after we took care of a lot of those things, farmers got what they needed and decided not to vote for us anymore. And that gays, guns, and gods were going to be their issue. And and I'm I'm just curious if you would agree with any of that, Ken. Yeah, you know, absolutely I do. I think I was just up in Fertile visiting with a guy named Garth Cast who, uh, you know, has a, a century farm up there and, and farms, uh, you know, uh, with his family. Really great guy. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, in the 80s, of course, uh, and, and, and years before that, when farmers were falling on hard times, of course, you know, they looked to uh, people to, you know, fight for them and to stand up and for government to be there. And, you know, things uh, generally over the last 20, 30 years have been going pretty well for farmers. And uh, you see a lot of new farmers coming in with their new F-150s and their new combines, and everything seems to be going well. And there's now uh, less of a... Um, sense that government needs to be there to help, even though, you know, many farmers are still, of course, getting subsidy checks from the, the government as they should. But the point is, is we're not in uh, as tough a times as we were during the last few farm crises in this country. And, and uh, so I, I don't disagree with you, um, but it shouldn't take 
take rural uh, communities, you know, dying out or, you know, farmers losing their land uh, for people to realize the importance of government in their lives. And, and that's something we have to talk about again. And it's, uh, and, and we have to be there and we have to have that conversation with folks. You know, I, I don't disagree with you. Some of the culture issues have certainly uh, worked in peeling off once reliable Democratic voters in rural mm-hmm. parts of this country. Uh, and uh, but, We've got but about I 10 seconds, you, Ken. Go ahead. Yeah, but when you peel those away, I think at the end of the day, their values are still aligned with ours more than they are with the Republicans, and we can win them back. Well, I'll take your lead, and clearly you know what you're doing. Ken, good to visit with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Joel. Take care. You bet.